chapter 11, verse 12. One might say, why begin in the last verse of a chapter? Well, really, that is where this section begins. And when they divided up the chapters, why it would have been well had they divided it and started chapter 12 back one verse early. But it's just a man-made division, or chapter and verse is. And so, uh, in this case, why they missed it but one verse. All right, now as we start out here tonight, we want to go ahead and conclude with Hosea, finish the book tonight. But as we're going through now, he is, is going to continue talking about the same thing that he has been talking about, which is what? Doom, destruction of Assyria. And what nation is going to come in and capture them? Uh, I said Assyria, I mean Israel. Okay, Assyria is going to come in and capture Israel. That's right. What are some of the other names that Israel is known as? Ephraim, that's right. That is one of the major things, that names that is known by. Uh, and the reason for that is because uh, uh, when, when the tribes divided, how many tribes were there in the, in the lower section? Southern, two. How many in the top? That would be ten. Which one was the largest one up there? Uh, Ephraim. It, it was the largest. It was the most dramatic. It was the most influential, uh, the most powerful, and so forth. And so it then took the... Uh, uh, their, their name then was applied in that way. All right. <clears throat> As we start out then, he says, uh, Ephraim compassed me about with falsehood. Now, who would the, mean be? Who would the me be? This is God speaking through Hosea. All right, Ephraim compassed me about with falsehood. That is, God, from God's viewpoint, God is saying, uh, here is what Ephraim gives me. Instead of Ephraim just showering me with adoration and honor and glory and respect uh, and, and, and service and worship and just encompassing me, just overwhelming me with all of these wonderful things, what did Israel or Ephraim encompass or overwhelm him with? Falsehood. Uh, they came in, they worshipped false gods, they practiced false doctrines, uh, they were uh, uh, false people, ungodly people, and so they just overwhelmed me. They encompassed me with falsehood. The house of Israel with deceit, which is just uh, saying the same thing, but Judah yet ruleth with God and is faithful with the Holy One. <coughs> now if you'll note, you have a footnote there. And you can look down, and I think the footnote is probably uh, the way that it, it, uh, he meant it. Now, it can be taken either way in the Hebrew. In other words, you can translate it either way. Now, down here, up here, <clears throat> the way they translate it is that Judah was faithful. But do we have any indication that uh, Judah was not faithful? <clears throat> yeah, he's been talking about Judah is following right along in your footsteps. And Judah also is going to be destroyed. Now, as you look down here, it can be translated, and Judah is yet steadfast with God and with the Holy One who is faithful. Now, uh, Israel is, is gone, but Judah is yet steadfast or yet with God. She, she's not going to fall for a few more years with God who is, who is faithful. Or unsteadfast, right, unsteadfast. I'm saying steadfast. I'll get it right in about 30 minutes. <clears throat> getting here. Now, okay, so she's unsteadfast, she's, she's shaking, but she's still there, and God is faithful. All right, Ephraim feedeth on the wind, and followeth after the east wind. He continually multiplieth lies and desolation. They make a covenant with Assyria, and oil is carried into Egypt. 
Now, <clears throat> instead of Ephraim feeding on the blessings of God and depending on Jehovah, Ephraim is feeding on the wind and follows the east wind. So now I'm going to ask you a question. What is wrong with eating the wind? And then what is wrong with following the east wind uh, instead of the west wind? Now, what do you get if you eat wind? Nothing. It, that's, that's it. So that's what you've got. As you're following your idols, in, instead of me, instead of digesting my word, uh, you're just eating wind. Now, why is it worse to eat the east wind than it is the west wind? Okay, the east wind comes off of the desert. And uh, any time the wind is blowing from the east, uh, it's hot, it's dry, it is, it is just burning. It's, uh, it's a horrible situation. And if you're going to eat the wind, if you want to get any nourishment at all, why well, get the west wind, at least it would be nice and cool. And so what he's saying here is that uh, you are picking on something that is null and void and empty and no nutrients in it at all, and then he adds the east wind to it. It's even worse than that, is what he's saying. <clears throat> now, uh, they make a covenant with Assyria and oil is carried into Egypt. Uh, what he's meaning here is they go up to Assyria, they make a covenant up there, they don't intend to keep the covenant. Uh, as they make a covenant with Assyria, then they're taking oil down and paying Egypt and making another covenant with Egypt. Now really, who would they make a covenant with uh, as they're talking to Assyria? Uh, who were they afraid might come up and conquer them? They'd make a covenant with Assyria. Assyria, if an enemy comes up and conquers us, who would that enemy be at that time? Egypt. Egypt. Uh, would you come up and whip Egypt? Yeah. Yeah, you pay us so much and we'll come and whip Egypt if they do this. Okay, run it. Egypt? Uh, if Assyria comes, will you come up and fight with us? <laughs> you see? And so they weren't loyal to either one. They were playing both ends against the middle. Uh, they, what he's trying to show is they were just totally corrupt. All right, two, Jehovah also hath a controversy with Judah and will punish Jacob according to his ways. According to his doings will he recompense him. In other words, you're going to be paid back what you deserve. In the womb, he took his brother by the heel. <clears throat> now, we're going to take, go back and take the origin of Jacob. Back in, in uh, when the father of this nation came into existence, uh, it was Jacob. All right, now let's see what Jacob himself really did. Uh, what was Jacob's brother's name, by the way? Esau. They were twins. Remember the, the story in there. All right. <clears throat> now, when they were born, he took his brother by the heel. So he, he was working at getting control in birth. That's the idea. Even when Jacob was born, when the father of this nation was born, he was grasping and, and trying to take control. Now, in his manhood, he actually did that. <clears throat> but in his manhood, here's what he had to do. He had power with God. Yea, he had power over the angel and prevailed. Uh, so that's the time, the night he wrestled with the angel. The angel said, let me go. He said, not until you give me a blessing. So the whole point is that Jacob, the father of this nation, really exerted an effort to try to get the blessings that he got. Now... You as a nation are not acting like your father of your nation. It's the same as if I would say uh, George Washington uh, was, a, was a fighting man. He was a man of integrity. He was a man that stood up for what he believed. Uh, the father of your country paid a price. And you're not doing anything. That, that would be uh, the, what he's saying right here. 
<clears throat> so he goes on and he says, uh, and he made supplication unto him, that is to God, and then God, that's he, he, God, found him at Bethel and there spake with us. Even Jehovah, the God of hosts, Jehovah is his memorial name. <clears throat> so God now uh, found Jacob at Bethel. Now that's when God blessed Jacob uh, at Bethel. He came and found him there, and God told Jacob then that he would be the father of a, of a great nation. Uh, in verse 6, Therefore turn thou to God, keep kindness and justice, and wait for thy God continually. Now the whole section right in here then is dealing with this. <coughs> it is saying this nation is so corrupt and so empty, bought null and void, that it's just like you eating wind. You have no nutrients, you have no strength to supply you. Uh, the father of your nation really put forth an effort to get the blessings from God. He fought coming out of the womb. He fought when he was old. But you are not like the father of, of this nation. You're not like Jacob. You do nothing. Uh, uh, Jacob received a blessing of God, and God told him that he would bless him and so forth, but you people are doing nothing about it. Now, do something. And what are they to do in verse 6? Turn. See, turn thou to God, keep kindness and justice, and wait for God continually. So turn back to God before it's too late. <clears throat> then in verse 7 he goes ahead to tell what, what he's doing. Israel. He is a trafficker. The balances of deceit are in his hand. He loveth to oppress. So now then, uh, here he's a, he's a trafficker. Uh, and the, the word Canaanite means a trafficker. A, a person that uh, runs to and fro and takes advantage of other people and so forth. The balances of deceit are in his hands. Uh, they would have the... Well, what is a balance in the Old Testament? What, what's our word? We don't use balance today. A scale, that's right. They had a scale, and the scale in those days were balances. And so, uh, if you, you'd have that, that balance up there, and if you wanted to weigh out a pound of something, you had a pound of weight, pound rock or lead or whatever it is, put it in over here. Then, whenever you put in whatever's over here, when it balanced out straight out, you know that this over here is a pound. <clears throat> well, what they did is they'd shave it off. Instead of giving them 16 ounces for a pound, they'd give them 14 ounces for a pound. And so they had the scales rigged. That's the kind of people you are. And you love to oppress. You love to go to war. You love to take advantage of people. And Ephraim said, now not only do you do that, not only do you get rich cheating people, but here's what you say. Surely I am become rich. I have found me wealth. In all of my labors they shall find in me no iniquity that were sin. In other words, I gain my wealth without sinning at all. When the, the only way that you ever got any wealth was in sin, sin, sin. He said, but I am Jehovah thy God from the land of Egypt. <clears throat> that is, <clears throat> ever since I brought you out of the land of Egypt, I've been your God. I will yet again make thee dwell in tents as in the days of the solemn feast. Now when is that going to be? When are they going to dwell in tents now? When they go back to us, they have the scales rigged. That's the kind of people you are. And you love to oppress. You love to go to war. You love to take advantage of people. And Ephraim said, now not only do you do that, not only do you get rich cheating people, but here's what you say. Surely I am become rich. I have found me wealth. In all of my labors they shall find in me no iniquity that were sin. In other words, I gain my wealth without sinning at all. When the, the only way that you ever got any wealth was in sin, sin, sin. He said, but I am Jehovah thy God from the land of Egypt. <clears throat> that is, 
ever since I brought you out of the land of Egypt, I've been your God. I will yet again make thee dwell in tents as in the days of the solemn feast. Now when is that going to be? When are they going to dwell in tents now? When they go back to us, when they go into captivity, see? I have also spoken unto the prophets. I have multiplied visions. And by the ministry of the prophets have I used similitudes. Alright? Now, in all of this, I, I'm going to take you into captivity. But, he said, I want you to understand something. I have spoken by the prophets. I have multiplied visions. What is a vision? What does he mean by vision? Revelation. Revelations. I have multiplied revelations to you. I have sent prophets to you. Now, why is that important? Uh, at, at this point where he's talking about their horrible ungodliness. Why is it important that he brings up, I have sent you prophets and I've multiplied revelations. Alright, I've warned and 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 warned. Now who's the most responsible person uh, for their actions? The person that's been warned or the person that doesn't know any better? Okay. Uh, <clears throat> you know what would happen uh, if... if uh, the radio here is talking about the floating bridge being out. It's torn down. Don't go across the floating bridge. And, and everybody's talking about it. And it's on the radio all the time. And I'm told a hundred times tonight. And I said, well, I'll just drive across anyway. So I hit that thing about 80 miles an hour and go off into the lake. What would you say about me? <coughs> Good. <laughs> uh, now, somebody else that didn't know about it, somebody drives up from Portland, they go up, they go on the same lake, they drown in there with me. What would you say about them? See, poor person. See? Happy little... Got it? <laughs> so I'm sorry that they did. Now why? Just because I've been warned and I had a responsibility and I didn't live up to my responsibility. <clears throat> Alright, now he has done this and he said, and I have used similitudes. Now what's that? What's so great about that? How's that help or hurt? Uh, what is a simile? Do you know? It's a figure of speech which is similar to something else. And it's, it's, it's just the way that you say it is, is all it is. If you say, the kingdom of heaven is like a certain thing, then you're saying it is similar to it. And so you can do it. So what he's saying is, I haven't just told you what's going to happen, but I've illustrated it. I've told you over and over. I've illustrated it. I've given you example after example so that somewhere along the line you can understand it. But you didn't. So he goes ahead and he says, "Is Gilead iniquity? They are altogether false and Gilgal. Uh, they sacrifice bullocks. Yea, their altars are as heaps in the furrows of the field. And Jacob fled unto the field of Aram, and Israel served for a wife, uh, and for a wife he kept sheep. And by a prophet Jehovah brought up Israel out of Egypt, and by a prophet was he preserved." <clears throat> now again, I've read all of this pretty rapidly, but again, what he's saying is the same thing that he said back up here in verses two through six. And that is, we come back down. Jacob, we're coming back down to him again. The father of your nation, what did he do? Well, he fled. And then Israel served for a wife. What's the difference between Israel and Jacob? Uh, same man. Jacob's name was changed to Israel after he uh, wrestled with that angel. Okay, now the father of your nation had to flee. Then he went over and he served for a wife. And how long did he work to get a wife? Seven years to get a wife. And uh, what did that have to do with them? So what? What What if he hadn't gotten a wife? What if Jacob decided to be a bachelor? 
There wouldn't be any country. There wouldn't be any Israel, see? So, in order to get this nation on the road, your forefathers, in order to obtain a wife, he worked for seven years serving another man in order to obtain a wife. Not only did he work hard to get this nation started, but then it says, God said, by a prophet, Jehovah brought Israel up out of Egypt. I then sent Moses, and Moses worked hard. And by a prophet was he preserved. In other words, I have preserved you and kept you by these prophets. Look at all the work that's going into this, this nation. But Ephraim hath provoked to anger most bitterly. Therefore shall his blood be left upon him, and his reproach shall his Lord return unto him. In other words, instead of you appreciating this and doing anything about it, all you are just a bitter nation. So it's coming upon your head. Now, in chapter 13, he continues right on. When Ephraim spake, there was trembling. He exalted himself in Israel, but when he offended in Baal, he died. Now, this is kind of interesting. When Ephraim spake, there was trembling. Now, what this means is that back in the younger days of this nation, now, what he's trying to do is, the same as if I would try to do this. Suppose that I'm trying to tell the American people, what a shameful thing it is in the situation that we're in today. Our courts are corrupt. We're financially uh, in, in an upheaval. Uh, morality is declining. Uh, this nation is just terrible. Now, back in the beginning, our forefathers fought for this nation. They sacrificed for this nation. They gave their lives for this nation. And, and then I began to say, and the, the state of Washington at one time stood up. And I tell you what the state of Washington did. And then I say, now look what you're doing with it. See, you've inherited all of the blessings that these forefathers fought for and died for. And what are we doing? Nothing. Just sucking back a ruined people. See, you could exhort in that way. That's what this is. Now back in the good old days, back in the days of when, when the nation of Israel uh, was flowering and they came over into the land of Canaan, uh, Ephraim was the mighty nation. Ephraim was blessed greater than Manasseh was blessed. And uh, it said, and, and Ephraim, when the tribe of Ephraim spoke, there was trembling. In other words, uh, that was a respected tribe. But look, but when he offended in Baal, he died. Now what was it that caused the tribe of Ephraim to disintegrate, <clears throat> lose its power, lose its influence, and go into decadence. What was it? Idolatry. Idolatry. Here is a great, powerful tribe uh, that, that had all this power, but idolatry, the day that they turned to those idols, that's the day that that tribe died, is what he's saying. That that tribe died, is what he's saying. And now they sin more and more. <clears throat> they went into idolatry, they just keep sinning more and more and piling it up and have made them molten images of their silver, even idols according to their own understanding. They decide what they want as a God, and they make it. All of them the work of the craftsmen, and they say of them, let the men that sacrifice kiss, kiss the calves. <clears throat> so, here's a man that goes over and says, you know, I've conceived in my mind what a God ought to be like. It's, it's a human conceived idea. Here is what a God ought to be like. And so I then draw it out, whether it's a golden calf or it may be an animal's body with an eagle's head or some, you, you've seen all these idols that they make. 
And so, uh, I, I as a man, I conceive of it. Here would make a good God. I take the body of a deer and I take the head of an eagle and I make this. So I take my plans down to a craftsman, uh, a goldsmith, uh, or a carpenter if I want to make it out of wood. I say, would you carve this out? So he carves out my God. And then I get it all carved out and then I put it up here and then I tell you, do you want to worship my God? And so you bow down to this stick of wood then and you kiss toward it. Now, <clears throat> he's trying to show what a, how, how stupid, I guess is the word that I'm after. Uh, that's what you have to become to, to bow down into idolatry. But that's the thing that he's talking about. Where it said, and let the men that sacrifice kiss the calves. <clears throat> now, that term, kiss the calves, and kiss toward, is the, is the normal word for worship. Uh, Job used it and all the way from Job, and he probably is the first book that was ever written. And uh, clear down into the New Testament, uh, that is the, is the term of where we use the word worship. They would say, uh, kiss the hand toward. In other words, I bow down toward an individual and kiss his hand. I'm showing honor and respect. And so, so bow down and worship my, my idol that I thought up and another man whittled out. <clears throat> Therefore, <clears throat> now here's the power that this idolatrous nation has. Here's how strong they were. Now think about how strong they were to start with. How strong was Ephraim? When he spake, they trembled. Now, here's what idolatry has done. Here's how strong they are. Therefore, they shall be as the morning cloud. Now, what is, how strong is that? It's just there and blows away. See, no strength at all. And as the dew that passeth away early, when you go out and you see dew on the grass, what do you know? It won't be long until it's gone. It's just temporary. It has no strength, no power. As the chaff that is driven with the whirlwind out of the threshing floor. You look at the hull that's off of the wheat, the chaff, and any little breeze will come along and blow it away. What will a whirlwind do to it? No stability, no strength. And as the smoke out of the chimney. When you see the smoke come out of the chimney, what do you know? See? No strength. In other words, what he's saying is, Ephraim had all of this power, all of this strength, back in the good old days, but something happened to cause them to be totally a weakling. No strength at all. And the thing that happened was idolatry. He said, Yet I am Jehovah thy God from the land of Egypt, and thou shalt know no God but me, and besides me there is no Savior. They had tried every Savior in the world, every God, every Baal that there was, and God is telling them, I'm the only one. I did know thee in the wilderness, in the land of great drought. <clears throat> when I brought you out of Egypt, took you through that land of the wilderness, I knew you. What do you mean, I knew you? D does God know them now? <laughs> recognize, that's right. See, I, I knew you, I recognized you. See, uh, it, It's like Roy comes up and says, Hey, Lowell, would you loan me some money? I turn around and say, I don't know you. Uh, you see, uh, I'm giving him the message. You see, no, we don't have a relationship uh, like that. And so uh, that's what he's talking about there. Uh, back then, I knew you. Uh, I recognized you as my people uh, when, when I took you through that wilderness. According to their pasture, so were they filled. 
And they were filled. Now they were filled according to the pasture that that they had. Now the question is, who gave them the pasture? God gave it to them. Who did then did they give the credit to? The idols. See, they would give the credit to the idols. But now you were filled according to that then, and their heart was exalted, therefore have they forgotten me. They've gone away, they've forgotten me, they have their hopes set upon that idol. Therefore am I unto them as a lion. Now that is one of those similitudes that we're talking about, or simile. Uh, it, it doesn't say I am a lion, I am as a lion, as a leopard. And will I watch by the way, I will meet them as a bear that is bereaved of her whelps, and will rend the gall of their hearts. And there will I devour them like a lioness, and the wild beast shall tear them. So here now is his figure of speech, trying to show to what extent he is going to destroy this nation. Now what would he mean, I will be unto them as a lion? What's the, what's the picture? Strength, power, see, to devour. Well, what about a leopard? Why then does he go ahead and throw a leopard in? I'll be as a leopard. Speed, right. He's agile. He, uh, there's no way that you can, you can stop me. And then he said, I will be as a bear, but not just any kind of a bear. What kind of a bear? Yeah, the, the meanest animal on the face of the earth is a bear that without her cubs. When you get between her and the cubs, uh, you are in an atomic bomb <laughs> that's in there. because She is, is headed that way. And uh, so he, he takes that and he says, we'll rend the gall of the heart. And that is the casing of the heart. That I'll come, I'll just rip your chest wide open. Leave your heart laying out exposed. And then, like a lioness. Now what about a lioness? Uh, what? Uh, the provider of food. The hunter. Uh, lions know how to live. The women do the work. Uh, the... The lioness is the one that goes out and, and uh, brings that in uh, while the king prances around, <laughs> you see, and getting ready to eat. Uh, but the whole picture is that uh, the lion is the picture of power and strength. The lioness is the picture of the one that makes the attack, the one that actually does the leaping, the one that actually does the, the uh, killing because of her agility and so forth. And then, after it's all over... <laughs> You're laying there dead, but that's not the end of it. What else is going to happen? The wild beast is going to come by, the hyenas and jackals and, and uh, uh, vultures and going to tear you apart. And, and what's left of an animal that all of these animals jump out, each one of them take their part out of, what's left of that animal? You, you go through there 30 days from now, and they're gone. See? <clears throat> they're gone. All right? That's what I'm going to do to you. It is thy destruction, O Israel, that thou art against me, against thy help. Now, we've talked about it in other terms. But here he plainly says it now. Why is Israel destroyed? Now, this is your destruction. What is their destruction? It's departing from God. That's what the destruction is. Now... Really, we can get back down to this again in America. Drugs is ruining America. Right? And the answer to that is right. But that's not the problem. Drugs is not the problem. 
Corrupt courts is not the problem. Immorality is not the problem. Those are symptoms of the problem. It's like somebody who has a fever. They have a fever of 108, and you go in, put your hand on it, you jump, and you say, the person's sick. The person's going to die. The person needs help. How do you know? <clears throat> they have 108 fever. Well, is, is that what is wrong with them, the fever? No. And so our immorality, our drug problem, all that is not the problem. The problem with America today is the one that was with Israel. We have left our God. We are not bowing our knee before the great God of heaven. And if we were, we wouldn't have these problems. They are symptoms. And, and obviously, it's like if, if I come in and find you sick and I take your temperature and you've got 110 temperature... Now, suppose I said, well, the temperature's not a problem. What would you tell me? <laughs> it is. Give me help or this temperature's going to kill me. And you're right. See? <clears throat> now, the drugs can kill us. And, and immorality can kill us. I'm not, I'm not trying to downplay it. But I'm saying the problem is <clears throat> the same as they had back there. Their problem was when they changed gods, when they departed from Jehovah God to an idol, then everything else just follows. And, and it's with every nation. Verse 10. Where now is thy king, that he may save thee in all thy cities, and thy judges of whom thou hast said, or thou sayest, Give me a king and princes. I have given thee a king in mine anger, and have taken him away in my wrath. So now you remember way back there in 1 Samuel 8, what was it that they decided one day as they looked around and saw these, all these other nations that had kings? What did they say? We want to have a king so we can be like them. Samuel went to God. God said, Samuel, you go tell them that here are all the problems they'll have. They went back and told them. Samuel did. Here are all the problems that you'll have. What did they say after they listened to it? We want a king. And so God said, give them a king. So God here is saying, now, now, where are your kings? Where are they now? Uh, they're gone. They're powerless. They're like the east wind. They're like the morning cloud. They're like hot air. They're like smoke out of a chimney. You have no strength. Your kings have brought you right where I told you they would bring you. Now, I gave you a king in my anger, and I've taken him away in my wrath. You will have no more kings. The iniquity of Ephraim is bound up. His sin is laid up in store. So now from God's viewpoint, the iniquity of Israel is bound up or put in a purse. His sin is laid up in store. What would you know of an individual who has a bag and in this bag he has money? And he's going around and he's collecting money. So he collects money off of this fellow and he puts it in the bag. He comes over and collects money off this fellow and he puts it in the bag. Would you expect him to know how much money is in the bag? Would you? Yeah. Somebody pays you debts? Would you expect to know how many, how many debts have been paid? Well, sure. In other words, uh, the, the guy has the bag, he has the account, uh, pay me what you owe me. So you pay it, count it out, and write it down. You know, sure, give me yours until I write it down. Now, I've got the money in the bag. Well, what do you know about the money in the bag? And me. I know how much money's in that bag. <laughs> I'm keeping track of it. Now, that's what it's saying here. Your sins have been stored up in the bag. They've been put in the bag just like a man puts money in the bag. God knows every sin, and now you're going to be held accountable for them. This is where the recompense comes in. Not only that, in verse 13, the sorrows of a travailing woman shall come upon him. 
Now the birth pains of a woman uh, are used throughout the Bible, both old and new, to try to impress upon us how terrible pain can become. And this again is saying this, that you're going to have agony and pain as a woman does in her hour of birth. But not only that, but here's something else, that in this most painful, miserable time that you're going through, uh, of like a travailing woman with, a, with a giving birth, then he said, he is an unwise son. Now this is talking about the little baby that's being born, is what it's talking about. He is an unwise son, for it is time he should not tarry in the place of the breaking forth of the children. Now, the picture is a little baby being born. Now, you women can elaborate on this a little bit better than I. I've tried to tell women I understand, and they say I don't. <laughs> so, obviously, all women say a man cannot understand this pain. Now, uh, just a normal birth, the, the pain that goes in a normal birth. But what happens if uh, a child, a son, is about to be born, and everything is going, and just before the son breaks forth, to come into the world right at the birthing place, right as, as coming forth, he lodges and can't come forth from the mother. Now what kind of pain have you got? See? So that's the kind of pain he's saying. See, he, he's trying to say it's not just a normal birth I'm talking about. I'm talking about a birth of where there's an unwise son. He stopped where he shouldn't have stopped is the point that, that we're getting at. And uh, uh, now that is, the, that is the pain that you're going to go through. That's the horrible pain that's coming. But in 14, here is a wonderful thing. I will ransom them from the power of Sheol. I will redeem them from death. Now that sounds like good news, doesn't it? And it is. It, it is good news. Now, right down here at the point of where he's telling how bad it's going to be, he said, but there is good news. I will ransom them from the power of Sheol, that is the grave that they're going in. I will redeem them from death. Uh, they're not going to die. O death, where are thy plagues? O Sheol, where is thy destruction? Repentance shall be hid from mine eyes. Now, <clears throat> repentance shall be hid from my eyes means this. It means God's repentance. It doesn't mean the repentance of the people. It doesn't mean, if you repent, I won't see it. What it means is, my repentance shall be hid. Now, does God ever repent? What does repent mean? Change His mind. That's right. God will tell you something, and, and it's on a condition, and you don't do it, and then God uh, said He repented that He ever made man in Genesis 6. And Now, what He's saying here is, in this promise, in this promise, that I will ransom you, repentance shall be hid from my eyes. There will be no repentance of this. I, there will be no change of mind. I will not change my mind. I will ransom you. Now when you ransom, what do you do? You pay the price and you buy it back. Now in, in all of this horrible, horrible destruction, he says, there will be a ransom. You will not, the nation will not totally die I will recover you, and therefore you can say, O death, where are thy plagues? Death is not going to destroy this nation. O Sheol, the grave, where is thy destruction? Death and the grave will not stop me from bringing you back. Now, 
I think the most graphic situation that we've already learned, we've learned He is going to bring them back. Uh, how many? How big? A small percentage of them. Do you see why I made such a big play on back there where Amos said it's like a shepherd sticking his hand down a lion's throat and pulling out a lamb that he's swallowing? Maybe an ear, maybe a leg, but it'll just be a small part. Now, what God is saying is, I will not permit all of my people to be destroyed. I will bring them back. Now, this total ransoming right in here, we, we, we can find that Paul quotes this in the 15th chapter of the book of 1 Corinthians. And, and what is that chapter about? Chapter 15 of 1 Corinthians? Death and, the, the death and the resurrection. That there will be a resurrection. Uh, all is not lost. God will raise us and we can be saved in Jesus Christ. That's, the, that's his whole point. That uh, in Jesus Christ, uh, we can be saved. You can kill me. Do whatever you want to. I will be raised and, and I will be saved in Jesus Christ. And uh, that is what he's talking about. The day's coming when God will bring us back. Well, we've already seen that. And now, he's not going to bring Israel back as a nation. So he just set it up as a king again. He's going to bring them back, individuals, a small portion. Alright, in verse 15. Though he be fruitful among his brethren, and that's what Ephraim means. Ephraim literally means, I believe it's double fruit, is, is the, the literal translation. Though he be fruitful among his brethren, an east wind shall come, and the breath of Jehovah coming up from the wilderness, and his springs shall become dry, and his fountains shall be dried up. He shall make uh, spoil of the treasure of all goodly vessels. <clears throat> so regardless of how rich you are, God says, I will have the hot east wind to blow in, dry up your crops, you've had it. 16. Samaria, now that's the capital of the nation, Samaria shall bear her guilt, for she hath rebelled against her God. They shall fall by the sword, their infants shall be dashed in pieces, and their women with child shall be ripped up. Now, I want to tell you, that's not figurative. Now, you, you might say, well, it, it would have to be anything that bad. No, it's not figurative. Later on, we'll find out that's not figurative. That's how bad these people were. These people that came in, the, the Chaldeans, to uh, conquer these people had been a, a trained army, trained by a king, and that's how they got their joy, was finding painful ways to inflict all of this upon people. And so, uh, there's the way that it's going to be. So, this nation is, is going to be destroyed, but I will save some. Now, do you notice that in both uh, Amos and Hosea, that the message is doom and destruction? Uh, 99% of it. But what is always that one little thing that they always leave? There is hope. I, God, will save a remnant. See, there is, there is that. Alright, now his final chapter then. O Israel, return unto Jehovah thy God, for thou hast fallen by thine iniquity. So here's his plea. Come back to God so that you won't be destroyed. You've fallen by your sins. Take with you words and return to Jehovah. Say unto him, Take away all iniquity and accept that which is good. So will we render us bullocks the offerings of our lips. Uh, Assyria shall not save us. We will not ride upon horses. Neither will we say any more to the work of our hands. Ye are our gods. For in thee the fatherless findeth mercy. 
Now, here's what he said you should do. Return to God with some words. Not empty words, but meaningful words. What kind of words? Alright, here's what you tell him. You come back to God and you say, take away all iniquity. You ask Him to forgive you. And accept that which is good. Accept now this good thing that we're going to give you. So will we render as bullocks the offering of our lips. In other words, up to this time, they had just been offering animals. And it had come to the point to where the attitude was, God wants animals, so if we sin, go out and get them out in the field. I, I just sin around the field and get, a, get an animal and offer it to God. You know, I'm going over here. And so you go out and you offer an animal to God in, in, in my behalf, and I go on about my business. Is that what God wants? No, see, He wants, he wants uh, that, that attitude on the inside of an individual rather than just the sacrifice. So as you have been just lightly throwing animals out here at God, come back now with your words. Come back and tell God what's on your heart. Get down on the inside of you and, and plead to God and offer that as you have been offering these, these sacrifices. Now, tell him this. Assyria shall not save us. Assyria is going to destroy us, even though we have, a, we have a covenant with them. We will not ride upon horses. Now, what's wrong with them riding upon horses? Why is it that they are to tell God, we won't, we won't ride on horses? These are warring horses. These are not pleasure horses. They didn't use horses for pleasure. Uh, they, they used them for war. We will not put our trust in our own strength and in our own power. We'll not put it in Assyria. Neither will we say any more to the work of our hands. What's that? Idols that we, they whittled out. Ye are our gods. For in thee, that's in Jehovah, the fatherless findest mercy. You're the one that takes care of the orphans. You're the one that actually provides the needs. So turn to God with that attitude and that disposition. And then I will heal their backsliding. God says, I will love them freely, for mine anger is turned away from him. I will be as the dew unto Israel. He shall blossom as the lily and, uh, and, and cast forth his roots as Lebanon. <clears throat> now if you'll do that, if you'll turn to me, then I, God, I'll heal you. And I will be, I'll turn my anger away, I'll love you freely, and I'll be as the dew unto Israel. Now then, there's something good about dew. A minute ago, we learned something bad about dew. Dew is temporary. It's here for just a moment, and then it's gone. But now what's good about dew? It waters. And in many places, and particularly over in this place, this is about the only water that they would get. And so heavy dews are, is what would keep the, uh, all the vegetation blooming. So I will provide that. I will be as dew to you. I'll make you bloom up. See, in there. And I'll, and I'll uh, make you so that you cast your roots down uh, as Lebanon. Now, the, the cedars of Lebanon were noted as the most magnificent trees in the world. And one thing about them was that their roots just go down, 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 down. I was reading a book on trees the other day, and it showed the, the root structure of a tree and showed that how many trees go down 100, 200 feet into the ground. That those roots just go down there. Uh, what happens if you put a big bulldozer up there and you're going to bulldoze that thing out of the ground? You're not going to do it. <laughs> it, just, it is just too rooted. It's steadfast. 
Now, if you'll turn to me, I'll love you, I'll love you freely, I'll help you, I'll heal you, I'll give you everything you need, I'll make you as permanent here as the cedars of Lebanon. You cannot be uprooted if you just turn to me. Seven, they that dwell under his shadow shall return and shall revive as the grain and the blossom as the vine. Now that is, dwell under the shadows of this giant tree of Lebanon. Uh, what is it if, you, if you're out in the desert and you find a tree? Uh, where do you sit down? And why do you do that? This is comfort. So here we have this gigantically rooted tree and it provides all of the luxury and the comfort uh, that these people have. They shall revive us the grain and the blossom of the vine and the scent thereof shall be as the wine of Lebanon. So you're going to smell good. You're going to have the luxuries of wine. You're going to have uh, the, uh, the food that you need. You're going to have the shadow, the comfort you have. You can have uh, the being rooted. You can have my love. And, and if you'll... Now what's the deal God's making them? If you'll return to me. Now isn't it mind-boggling about God how much He loves those people? What would you have done with all this that you've read had you been able to just speak the Word? I mean, would you put up with those people all that period of time and then still want to bring them back? His love and His mercy and compassion is just mind-boggling. Then it says in verse 8, Ephraim shall say... Now Ephraim is going to come back. Some of them are going to come back. And this is talking about in the days down here of when the Christ comes. Some of them are going to come back. They'll say... What have I to do any more with idols? I have answered and will regard it. I am like a green fir tree. From me is thy fruit found. So they will come back. There will be people come back. And they will do away with their idols. Now why did they go into Assyria to start with? Oh, you could say sin. That's right. But what is it back of sin? Idolatry. See, And this, this is going to cure them of that idolatry. Now, one thing that you can say, and you can look at the church today, and you can see God's people, uh, that's one thing we don't have problems with, is it? Now, I'm not saying that we have the proper respect for God, but as you travel among the brotherhood, you might have a lot of other problems. But do you have any problems of going in church buildings to sit down to take the Lord's Supper and look up and see some big idol that's up there that everybody's up there around uh, hugging and kissing? No, we've been cured. Mm-hmm. Don't we have uh, different idols? Though, other than going through this whole book, mm-hmm. to me, an idol not necessarily today is something that you kneel down to, but we have plenty of other idols, don't we? Well, that, that I think we're, we're in somatics. Yeah. Uh, covetousness is idolatry, Paul tells us. So if you're a covetous person, you love money and you're putting that before God. That's what I'm saying is, I'm not saying we don't have problems with attitudes toward God. But what I'm saying is that a covetous man, let's suppose that you go into a congregation that are all covetous. Just suppose that you do that. Uh, I'm not saying they're right. They have a wrong attitude toward God. But what is it you don't find? You don't find that big idol that's up there. They at least claim Jehovah is my God while I worship money or power or prestige or pleasure or a lot of things. Yeah, we have, we have problems with attitudes toward God, but we're cured of idolatry. Now, he said, Then who is wise that he may understand these things, prudent that he may know them? For the ways of Jehovah are right, and the just shall walk in them, but transgressors shall fall therein. So if you really want to be wise, Hosea said, you learn that. You learn that there are two ways. There's one way that's based on Jehovah. That's the way of wisdom. 
There's another way that's not based on Jehovah. And if you do that, you're a transgressor and you're going to fall. Now, as you look at this whole picture, we can parallel it up here to what we're saying here about Hosea. Uh, as we go back at the very beginning, what was it that God told Hosea at the very beginning before he started preaching? He said, you're, you're not ready to preach yet until you do what? Go do what? Go marry a wife. I went and married a wife, and then what did that wife do? She committed adultery. Then when she committed adultery and had children in adultery, how bad did it do? What was the next phase? She went into prostitution. Now, prostitution is adultery, but all adultery is not prostitution. So she goes into prostitution. As she goes into prostitution, she stayed there, uh, in there, until how bad did she get? Get couldn't get any worse, you see. Uh, went to where she couldn't get any worse. She couldn't even give herself away free. And so that then is when she was sold to somebody. I guess she was probably put on a, the, the slavery block or somewhere. And she was sold. And who was told to go buy her back? Hosea. Now then, at this particular time uh, right in here, as she sold, now then, you buy her back uh, in here. And so he bought her back. And said, now, at this time, he told her, you now are to live over here by yourself and contemplate and understand and think about this thing before I take you back to be my wife again. So that was his, that was his story, the story of his life. And Hosea did that. Now, when, when that happened, uh, Hosea had experienced all of this, and now he's a man who could speak with a broken heart. All right, as we go back now, then we see right here with Israel, was Israel the wife? You see? Yeah. Okay, there's the wife. A, a beautiful relationship. Then what happened to her at Bethel? She committed adultery. That's right. She <coughs> made those golden cats and committed adultery. Then what happened to her? She not only worshipped the golden calves, but what else did she do? Went into all of the heathen idols. And she went, and went into there and began to worship uh, Baal and, and, and went into to prostitution, sold herself uh, in there. Alright, now then, because you have done that, how bad did she get? Just as bad as she can get. That's what we're talking about. Alright, right now, we're getting ready to do something which was equivalent to him buying her back and then letting her sit and contemplate and think about this thing. Now then, we're getting ready to go into slavery uh, in here into Assyrian captivity. All right, as they go into Assyrian captivity and as they spend their time in there, what are they going to be doing that Hosea's wife did? Contemplating. Are they going to come to their senses and say, we made a mistake? You suppose she came to her senses and said she made a mistake? Yeah. So up there in Assyria, see, if I can't get you to see it, you will see it, you see, in Assyria. Alright, now, what is it that he has constantly said, I will ransom you, I will bring you back, there's going to be a remnant that is going to come back, and so as we come back out here, again, we have the wife of God 
which today is the church, and uh, 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 but God accepted those people as they come back. And so we have then the great love story. Uh, a love story that is a tragic love story. Uh, uh, great love, and yet falling so far. How many women fall that far? Now, if you say how many women commit adultery, uh, what was the last figure that I gave you? 54%, I think it is, something like that today. Married women commit adultery. That's a lot. That's over half. How many women go as far as she went? See? What, what percentage? Oh, so small that I don't even know how many parts of 1% that you would have to get. See? Uh, and still, he took her back. And so, what a love story. And what a love story with God. So Hosea's book has been one of, of harshness, but it's mingled with love, and it's able to show us that great love of God. And by reading this book and all the other prophets, it just boggles my mind. Just, I, I absolutely cannot conceive of it. it. It's like talking about eternity. I don't have to talk about eternity. I can talk about million of years and billion of years and trillion of years. I can talk about those things. I don't understand a trillion. don't understand a billion. Uh, it's just words. And then when you get behind that, I can't comprehend it. Well, I can comprehend that just as much as I can comprehend the love of God. How much He loved them. How He stood there begging and begging and begging, doing all that He did, and then bringing them back. And the wonderful thing is, you and I are the recipients of all of this. Being over here in Christ, God sent His only begotten Son to die on that cross for the sins of those people and the sins of us, and then took those people and converted them and their preaching went on to somebody else and somebody else. And one day you heard it. And you as a sinner are sitting here in that great love of God. It's just absolutely mind-boggling how wonderful and how great the love of God really is. Okay, that brings us to the end then of Hosea. As we said, next week there will be no class. And we'll see you the following week. Class is